You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Ladies and gentlemen, this one goes out to Alex Simon. Rest in peace. I will remember you. All right, <laughs> that's it. That's all they're the getting. Line. You can't just do the that's first all. Line. That's all they're getting this week. <laughs> will you remember me? Don't let. All right, fuck this. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of the Tracking the Storm podcast. I'm Brandon. That's Matt and Alex. I don't know why. Serenading you all this week. And serenading you. Yes. All right. Um, where do we go from here? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know where to go from here. I'm just oh, all feels like, distraught. Man, it's just, just like yep. all of us. Yeah, just distraught. Um, I, I understand everyone's disdain for what's unfolded the last few days. I really thought this was a year or two. But it's not, and life moves on, and we have to do this podcast. We can't just mail it in, just like the Hurricanes did in Game 5. So, <laughs> Harsh. Well, we'll harsh, get into harsh, all that stuff harsh, later Justified, on. but, you know, a little harsh. Damn, you didn't harsh have to say fair. it, though. Like, I know, harsh God damn. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm only half kidding. I, I don't think the effort level was... I don't think the effort level was poor. The execution was just, like, not what you needed. Anyway, again, we'll get into this stuff later. We're going to talk about... Are you sure life goes on, though? Because, I mean, take one look on Kane's Twitter. What's going on there? I don't even want to touch Kane's Facebook. I mean, my God. Oh, well, yeah. Nobody wants to touch Kane's Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I came from Kane's Facebook, all right? Well, I mean, this is what I was alluding to in the beginning, though. Like, I understand everybody's probably upset. And you know what? A lot of those people are looking to us for answers. So we have to be there to support them and lead them to the path. I don't know where I'm going with this. But <laughs> I have some optimism for you. I actually have a new article that's going to come out, as I shamelessly plug this real quick, right in the beginning of the episode. Uh, that is basically going to be a guide for your the optimistic guide for the Carolina Hurricanes as we struggle through this together. And One I mean, thing I do want to talk about before we oh, even get in, into anything Canes related <laughs> or like <laughs> what, Matt? <laughs> it was just like I was about to say, and you just glossed right over. Why do you need to be optimistic, man? Can't some of us just suffer in peace? Like, no, I mean, uh, all right, so. I actually have like a, a sort of maybe source of optimism for everybody real quick. And that like two years ago when Tampa um, 
got swept by Columbus, they didn't blow it up. You know, like they kept their core players intact. I mean, they kept, you know, Stamkos, Hedman, Kucherov, point. Um, Literally everybody. Right. Like they kept 90% of that roster, I'm pretty sure, and just cut kind of the dead weight off the team and cap as well. I was so, told like, the Hurricanes needed to trade Spetch, though. <sighs> I'm sorry. Keep going. <laughs> I'm, I'm again I'm so glad that I miss some of this discourse sometimes because like people really just be saying anything right now um, it's bad like keep the core intact because this is a young team that's I mean yes they've been together for you know a few years now but you, Tampa's core has been together no less than five years except for maybe Braden Point but still, you know, he's so good that it didn't matter. Like, you need to keep your core intact. And that, that's what the Canes are going to do. I mean, you're not going to see them get rid of Aho, Teravainen, Slavin, Svechnikov, Stahl. Like, it's just not going to happen because these are the guys that, you know, will help you win a championship someday. And eventually they'll be at that level of Tampa. So yeah, the thing keep that, the that core I, intact. Don't you guys always up, do this to me, by the way. I, I say this is what we're going to talk about later and try to go into something. And, and well, you know, you know, no know what? You know now. what? Sometimes we just got to <laughs> wing it. All right. Like so sometimes thoughts just come to your mind. You got to get them out. Like for me, what's it's what fine. makes me optimistic moving forward is, you know, how the Hurricanes um, kind of responded after the game last night. Uh, I know it's just comments in the media. Obviously, they were frustrated with the loss and such, but. You know, they came across as a team that was very disappointed to be knocked out in the fashion that they were. And they obviously had, you know, higher expectations for themselves as a group, as we did with uh, as a fan base. And, um, you know, especially Sebastian Ajo, I'm not sure if you guys saw his comments, but he basically said, like, listen, I thought we were ready to take the next step. We have a great group here and all, but we just we were unable to take that next step for whatever reason. And Rod Brindamore had some kind of similar comments where he said, you know, if there's one thing you always have to do when you lose, it's learn from your losses and evolve from that. So there's no doubt in my mind that they're going to do what they can as a group, the entire organization to get things back on the right track this summer. And they'll, they'll be better from uh, because of this moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that kind of is a testament to as something we've talked about a lot. And that's the culture that Rod Brindamore has created here. You know, a lot of teams would say we lost to a great team and that's pretty much it. But the Hurricanes, like they're not okay with losing, you know, the culture they built here, they expect to win and they expected this year to be a Stanley Cup contender. And they really weren't. And, uh, you know, Ajo is one of those guys that like he he just comes across as very quiet, but he's definitely got that fiery competitive nature about him. Yeah, he wants to win. Yeah, you can see it on the ice. You can see it, you know, in his post game comments all that stuff but um just to carry on this conversation a step further what do you guys see happening this offseason because I mean I agree they're not going to blow it up here but I I know what I would do if I was the GM or what I would be looking for you know it's hard to say I know what I would do because it takes two sides to make a deal or a trade or whatever the case may be but if if you guys were in Don Waddell's shoes what would your offseason layout be Trade for mm. Connor McDavid, boom. You make it sound easy. so easy. Yeah, that's my job. No, um, <laughs> seriously though, like there, this is going to be an off season with a lot of change. I think. Um, and the, again, we're not going to blow it up, but you you could see a, 
a pretty different Canes roster next year. Well, just look at the group of free agents they have, both unrestricted and restricted. It's uh, it's a pretty sizable group. Right, and I mean, you've got Ned as your starter, like definite number one right now, I think. Um, But I think you also go with maybe getting, I mean, hey, I wouldn't hate if they brought Reimer back as the backup. Honestly. I was going to pose that question later as well. Like if, if he was, he was able to, if he was able to make less money, yeah, I wouldn't hate it. Um, I think your bottom six is going to look very different next year because yep. you've got Martinuk and McGinn hitting on restricted free agency. You've got Fogel as an, a restricted free agent, but you see, I still don't get all the Fogel hate because. I, I think a lot of people still are in the mindset that he's going to be the three goals and two games guy that he was when he got called up that one year, but he's not like he's a fourth line forward. I think the Canes are going to look to improve their middle six. Cause they already have a top line, Svechnikov, Ajo, Teravine, and but their middle six could use some work. And I think that's where you're going to, because you don't need to acquire a star, right? Um, and it seems like people are turning on Jake Bean too. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Canes look and explore acquiring some help on defense um, during the off season because Hamilton isn't a guarantee. And that'll be an interesting story to follow in the coming weeks. I think. Like, yeah, if, I think if, that's something we'll probably end up talking about a lot more. And you know, obviously, whenever something happens right. one way or another, we'll probably have another episode. I didn't get to hear a lot. But it seemed like his post uh, post game comments last night were a little uh, damning. I guess is the way to put it. Like I, I think the exit interviews from everybody involved will kind of give us a pretty clear sense right. of what way it's going to go. And it's, it's like, hard to read too much into those post game comments. Like, and again, like with with the bottom six changes that I mentioned, like from a locker room standpoint, it would really hurt to lose guys like Jordan Martinuk. But at the same time, when the guy is, you know, not performing as well as he could be on this roster, like, it might just be time to say goodbye, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah. Like, people were hating on Morgan Geeky. I don't know why. I think, you know, Geeky, again, it, it, with, they with Bean them? and Geeky, it's like these are rookies that got thrown into the playoffs against the best team. In the league, still in my yeah, I thought opinion. I thought Geeky was fine. Same, but people are just never satisfied with a guy that you know. Again, he scored three goals in his first two games, and everybody freaked out and was like, "Oh, this guy is gonna be you know Wayne Gretzky." And I'm like, "Yeah, no." I I just you know that Geeky and Lorenz are gonna get better. Your hope is that Jake Bean improves in his own end because honestly, he was not good in his own end this year. Um. I thought he was fine in game three and four. He, he had a good start to game four and then, I mean, collapsed spectacularly. And barely played in game five. Like he yeah. played six minutes. Yeah. And the hope is that he improves. He has a hell of an off season and actually like stakes his claim as an NHL defenseman because I mean, we've seen, and the, the Ryan Murphy comparison is stupid as hell. I'm going to yeah, say that right one. now. It's a bad one. Like, out of here with that i'm sorry (laughs) um it's not like bean just does things better it's just right now i think he's kind of in his own head 
he was he was He's trying himself. He was trying too hard to not make mistakes, and then yeah. made mistakes because of it. Which is what um, people say about Anthony Honka too. Which is why I'm still like, mm. <laughs> but that's that's you know a tangent. Well, I think well, what yeah. you said kind of goes for the Hurricanes as a whole. I think a lot of them were very in their own heads and unsure of themselves in this series. Oh, Vasilevsky absolutely got into Canes' head. And yeah, Tampa oh, Bay, totally. Tampa smelled blood in the water, and they just they pounced because they were composed, and they've been here before. Yeah. And I, I think that plays a big part in you know what we saw. But anyway, Alex, go ahead. Yeah, like, you know, just kind of expanding on what Matt was saying, I think – Definitely a big focus point for the Hurricanes is the front office this summer is going to be trying to find a way to stabilize that third pairing a little. You know, it's not that they were like th- that, that, that pairing had some consistent games. Um, you know, everyone who was in and out was kind of a revolving door on the third pair this year with Flurry in there. Um, Jake Gardner, you know, Hawk and Paw came in, Jake Bean. Um, so, you know, a lot of, a lot of bodies in there and nobody that really consistently held down that spot and said, you know what, I deserve to be playing in this group right here. So, I, I definitely think they can benefit by trying to find a way to stabilize that that pairing. You know, Jake Bean is the one guy who you would probably say staked his claim the best, um, and you know, kind of kind of earned a spot on the power play too. Not that he was particularly effective in that role in the playoffs, but he's a guy that's still young. He's going to be 23, I think, tomorrow. So he's going to keep growing. He's still got a lot of room to improve and get better. Um, Johnny yeah, Hawk and Paw. Being he turned yeah. twenty three today, actually. Okay, today, yeah. But yeah, um, beyond him, you know, Yanni Hawk and Paw. He, while he was like fine, I, I don't think he ever really provided the physical presence that they were hoping from him, or as was really advertised. I, you know, if they brought him back, I wouldn't be upset with the move. Um, at the right price, mind you, but I, I do think they can stand to find an improvement there, and they should look towards it. You know, if you can get a guy that can really settle J- uh, Jake Bean down and, you know, play some consistent third pair minutes, I think it would be very good for his development and for the third pair as a whole. Because, you know, you're looking at that game yesterday and you're just saying, hey, Rod Brindamore only really trusts his top two pairs. Hawk and Paul wasn't playing a whole lot and Bean was practically stapled to the bench. So they're going to need more from that group. Yeah, if I see Hawk and Paul take another slap shot into somebody's shins, I'm going to commit on a live. Dude, the hurricane. <laughs> The Hurricanes did that a lot too. I mean, so well, it's many just shots like, right. and it's like they'd wait until the shot blocker got in. When you're passing to a guy say, consistently, on, when you're passing to the guy who has four career goals and expecting different results, like, I'm sorry, it's just not going to happen. Again, Vasilevsky was getting into their heads, and I think the Canes, you know what? The Canes need to learn that sometimes you can hold on to the puck and sometimes you can pass it to somebody. That isn't a defenseman. Yeah, you know, sometimes less is more, right? And right, and I, Martin H just needs to learn that. Yeah, this series Sorry, was a perfect example of that. Well, you can call out a lot of those players, man. And, and oh, you know, for this... sure. It's like um, I saw the Canes trying to do a lot of what Jeff Skinner did um, when he was on the Canes uh, um, with the whole, you know, behind the back, no look pass in the defensive zone. Yep. Which never worked at all in these playoffs um, and always resulted in a turnover. And it's just, it's so frustrating because if you're going to turn the puck over anyways, you might as well do it facing the player. Like that behind the back pass just makes you look stupid and gets me all pissed off because you had a simple play, you know? Yeah. Nate just does that a ton. 
and it and it stinks because I mean, and this you know what. I'm not going to be negative. I'm not going to be too negative about it because like, again, this is a young team. Natchez is what? 22. Yeah. If that, yeah. 21, 21 or 22. Like he's going to make those mistakes. This is his second year in the NHL. Like he's going to improve and learn to not make those mistakes. At least not as often. I mean, no player is perfect. We saw, you know, with a lot of players, these playoffs, you know, nobody's perfect. Um, but it's just it's just frustrating when I feel like the Canes try to do too much to get the puck out of the zone, and then it results in an extended period of time in their own end. Yeah, okay. So this is another thing I definitely wanted to get into is just kind of – and I do want to circle back to what I would be looking for this offseason in a few minutes because I never did dear on my ideas. But um, but you're not better. <laughs> um. <laughs> But the Hurricanes really, and this is what I said to you guys, and I just tweeted it out a couple times as well. It's like the little things. Like, you have to do the little things right. You have to execute in the postseason. The Lightning did, the Hurricanes didn't. And and stuff like getting a puck out at your own blue line. I said that in the Nashville series a couple times. I was like, the Hurricanes have to stop turning the puck over at their own blue line. Guys are already moving up ice. That counterattack is one of the deadliest plays in hockey. And, like, the discipline. I mean, yeah, say what you will about the refs, but the Hurricanes own mo- earned most of those calls. Yeah, the Canes. They definitely yeah, did. I, I agree. You can't, you can't do that. You can't take penalties like Sveshnikov was against the Tampa Bay Lightning and expect to stay in the game. Yeah, no, the you know what? Most of them were less... legit calls. Yeah, the yeah, Tampa series, they, they were all legit. The yeah. only one that I could argue for was um, uh, the Hawk and Pot interference call. Which the, the, jo- the Jordan Stahl call, I think it was in game there were there there were a couple in game four where I was like, mm. or the fact that Svetch had a legitimate penalty, but then they didn't call the cross check that happened yeah. in yeah, the same yeah. spot. Sergeyev on Aho. Yeah, yeah. Which, my problem was more with what they were missing against Tampa than what they were calling on the Canes. To be honest, but again, yeah, sure. you know, like the Canes power play disappeared. Yep. Um, yeah, they were terrible during the playoffs. It wasn't good, and you know what? Say what you will about the officiating the refs aren't the ones scoring the power play goals for tampa you know tampa is just a good team okay well hear me out on this quickly hear me out they take advantage of the mistakes and the hurricanes were not opportunistic no no here okay hear me out on this tell me if i'm crazy if this is a wild concept but yes for a team that was listen (laughs) for a team that was struggling to get the puck out of their own zone struggling through the neutral zone and struggling to move the puck well on the power play and move the puck efficiently. If only, if only, they had a guy sitting in the press box eating nachos who excelled at all of those things. If only. I mean, dude, but did they have a guy who, about who matched Gardner? that description? Yes, this is about oh, Jake Oh, I thought Gardner. it was Hayden Fleury at first. No, no, and okay. I was like, wait. <laughs> well, I mean, like, come on. That goes without saying. But, I mean, Jake Gardner, <laughs> like, he, you're, you're telling me he couldn't have helped this group, like, Listen, Serious I, question about that. Do you guys yeah. think he's hurt? He has to be hurt. I don't know. I think man. his back I, is a big problem. I, really yeah, I have no idea. I think, I think I, Brandon, you're exactly right. I think it's his back. I don't think it's because of his play. I think, I, I really think that it's his back. Like the Hurricanes have maintained that he's healthy, though, that he's been a healthy scratch. Yeah, because they're going like, to Do I want to believe it? I, I don't know. He needs to take him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he's going to be, I, I think he's going to be, like, we're going to see us trading, like, uh, 
couple guys, like kind of like the Calvin DeHaan trade, we might just dump his contract somewhere. Yeah. Unfortunately, so what, you guys because... think it could be like a long-term IR situation with him or what? I don't want to speculate, but it definitely yeah. doesn't seem because I don't think him being scratched was performance related. Because even when Jake Bean like wasn't it couldn't playing be, well, he was fine. He, yeah, because even when Bean wasn't playing well, um, they put in Joey Keane. Yeah, Lejoie, Le, um, Ryan, Lejoie, Ryan came in for a little while. Like, yeah. I really think um, the reason why Gardner wasn't playing is because I don't think he ever fully recovered from that back injury. Yeah, Which career sucks. might be kind of up in the air right now. Like, I wish, I wish they would just say that, though, because it, it would give me peace of mind to know that he wasn't playing because he was hurt rather than he just wasn't playing because, you know, maybe the coaching staff didn't see a need for him. When watching the games, I, I thought it was pretty clear that he could have helped with the problems they were having. I'm thinking we hear more about it this week. I think the Canes, because, um, you know, every player has, like, you know, basically a yeah, knee-death injury ex- after the, the playoffs. Interviews, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, see how many players have surgery right now. Right, exit interviews will be interesting, and with surgeries right now, like it's gonna be, like we're kind of digging into time where it would affect next year's season. You know? Yeah. Just I mean, you saw. Else, I think it's not a normal off season. Somebody for Pittsburgh just had surgery, right? Yeah, I, I know. I saw. They're, s- they're out for like five to six months at the minimum. Yikes. Was it Zucker? Oh, it might have been. Might have been. Uh, which stinks, because he was doing. He was a pretty decent fit there, right? Man, I'd score some goals with Crosby. No, oh, yeah. Right. Zucker's yeah. a good player. He's a guy that I actually thought the Hurricanes should target at one point in time. But... Well, he, that was you 2019, know what? right? Yeah. You know what? Speaking of targets, I'm, like, I was thinking about this all day because, you know, at work I have nothing better to do with myself than think about <laughs> Hurricanes hockey. You know, whatever. Laugh you know at me what? if you want. Huge Kaniac. Huge Kaniac. Alex O'Hari. Huge Kaniac. Um, one guy I really like is a potential fit. Um, Jake DeBrusque in Boston, you know, 25 to 30 goal pace the last two years. He's fell out of, fallen out of favor there a little this year. You know, maybe Taylor Hall kind of stepped into his role, what he was doing. Just kind of gone off the rails for him, but he's only 24. Um, you know, has a history of good production and seems like a guy would be a solid fit for what the Hurricanes do overall. What do you guys think about him? I like DeBrusque. Um, he's another guy that <laughs> I, I've seen a few people floating around some names like Sam Bennett and I don't remember who else, but like my initial response to all of those is kind of like aim higher. <laughs> well, um, I mean, how, how much, how much higher are you realistically going to aim? Like if this is a guy who can give you 25 goals, I mean, wh- when you're talking about aim higher, what are you, are you talking about Ovechkin? Brandon Saad. Is that really higher though? I think so. The way the speed, the power forward game that Brandon Saad plays, and I've already kind of started on this. He's like my new eye follow. Saad would absolutely be a great fit here, which is why he's going to re-sign with the Colorado Avalanche. Dude, Colorado, they do not have limitless cap space, and they have to sign their captain, Gabriel Landeskog, and Kale McCarr. Well, um, they they can just have, you know, Miko Rantanen miss the whole season with an injury and miraculously come back at the start of playoffs. Too yeah. soon. Yes. Well, yeah. somebody suggested to me that the Hurricanes do that exact same thing with Slavin and Pesci. Uh, just bring them back to the playoffs, and I was like, "Whoa, whoa. well, the you Hurricanes aren't making the playoffs without those yeah, two, right?" Exactly. God, again, people just say anything. I, I know, man. It's. <laughs> I'm sorry to whoever says this. If like we're actually cool, like online and or 
in real life like i'm sorry but i am gonna <laughs> roast you for that like <laughs> yeah i mean and, and, and i get it i've had bad takes online too please don't go back through my old tweets because i'm sure there's some terrible ones in there, i will especially before i started to get my name out a little bit if it was up to me i would have traded noah hannafin for uh alex galchenyuk back in the day so you know it's oh right exactly. he was still good right? when, i was yeah, like wait a second two is good with montreal right i was like man this is the 30 goal scoring one c that we need you know before mm. aho really stepped into that role um. and such but so going back to Debrusque real quick, we got off on a tangent. Um, shockingly, so that never happens here, right? No, this is a perfect podcast. We're going to talk about this, this, and this, and then we never talk about it. Again. <laughs> <laughs> but so with Debrusque, the only issue I have is that his effort has come into question in Boston. Yeah, and that immediate any player who where like effort issues are even a rumor, I, I worry about because of Rod. Yeah, like it's not gonna fly they, here. Say what you will about the players on this roster, like there are no freeloaders on this team. Everybody has to contribute and give a hundred percent at least all it's the, the time. culture. So we've talked like, about you don't want to because we've seen with guys like Ryan Dezingle and Eric Halla, right? What that can kind of do to the team. And what that can do to the player when they're not fully bought in. So I worry, you know, and maybe, you know what, maybe DeBrusque just does need a change of scenery. Yeah. But I worry. He can have a bigger role or something like that. And that that makes sense. But to your point, like he's not going to have a bigger role if he comes in here and flags at all. Yeah, you he's know, gonna he be stuck on the and, fourth line. Like, yeah, he drags his ass in one practice, and Rod's not gonna. Rod's not gonna. He doesn't do that. I mean, he just doesn't, and that's and, part of why I think so many players love playing for him, and why the Hurricanes have the culture that they have here. Right. Um, I still don't think you know we're we're a top free agent destination. I don't think we ever will be because I mean you know a lot of players that sign in free agency are either looking for you know a cup contender. A really nice place to live or a lot of money. And with the Canes, realistically, you're only ever going to get two of those. Like Raleigh's a really awesome city and place to live. But with like like Artemi Panarin, when there were those rumors that he didn't want to stay in Columbus because Columbus sucks as a city. (laughs) Like, I'm I'm sure that wasn't the only reason, but you know, you get the point. Like he, he went from Columbus to New York City. That's an upgrade yeah. in terms of cities are concerned. Like, yeah, you know, I think that the Canes. Um, the more I think about it, the more I realize we have more cap space than I think I thought we did. So we could definitely acquire some players. I just, you know, especially if Dougie walks. Ugh. But then the Hurricanes do have to think about replacing that. Okay, so and that's, that's, yeah, that's the other thing. It's like you if just, Dougie leaves, you can't replace him. Well, that's, that's the thing. In terms of the production, you just you can't replace it. Look at the group of free agents um, on defense this summer. You, you yeah. can't replace that. Who's going to run your first power play unit? Uh, unit if he walks. I think the only way you do let Dougie walk, you're going to have to make a competitive offer and do what you can to make him stay, unless you have a very very good contingency plan in place. And even then, that's kind of a risky play because who knows how that player fits or whatever else I mean, the case may be. What if you ran but, five forwards on your first power play? Unit? <laughs> I mean, it's happened before. You know, Tavo Teravainen can act as your defenseman on the power play because he doesn't look to shoot it anyway, right? So he's always yeah. distributing. So just let him run the point. 
right? I guess that could work. Yeah. Not it's like he's just, really you know, that much of a step backwards have from to... Dougie back there in terms of defending. Right. He's actually better. <laughs> Tavo well, Teravainen is one of the best defensive forwards in the league. Yeah. So um, I agree, though, I Alex. Like You things... have to find a way to replace his production in some capacity. One idea that I kind of heard floated, and, and, and the problem with it really right off the bat is that it's kind of contingent on Jake Bean taking a big step forward, and that is about as far from a sure thing as you, know, you can find. You can find. Yeah. So if you were confident that Jake Bean was going to somehow put on 20 pounds this offseason and come into next year a capable two-way defenseman, you could let Dougie walk find a similar or maybe not a similar but a a decent two-way right shot defenseman through trade and then you roll with Breshi Breshi and Jacob Slavin as your top pairing which I mean we remember you know nobody ever wanted that pairing to get set up not that or split up not that long ago remember yeah Breshi and Slavin was ridiculous for good reason yeah so you could have that be your top pairing and shut down any top line in the NHL. And then you have Brady Shea and blank on your second pairing. Um, again, hopefully it's just like a good solid two way defenseman that can chip in a little bit offensively and be sound in his own end. Um, who that player is no freaking idea, but that would be even, even if they do sign reduct, or, or, even if they do re-sign Dougie Hamilton, I still can't talk. Um, I think they need another piece on the back end, which is something we talked about before. So I, I think that would be near the top of my to-do list this offseason if I were GM Don Waddell. Um, but I, again, I, I think they need to get aggressive. I think this is the time the Hurricanes are so close, you know, and, and like you can see it happening with this core in place. You know, Svechnikov, you just need him to get back onto the track that we saw last year you know, get back on that trajectory, have him take a big step forward next year. And your top six is pretty much already set right then and there with Natchez also likely to take another step forward. Trocek, Dieter, right of those guys. But I still think this will be the time to get aggressive, dip into those prospects. I know everybody hates the idea of losing a prospect or two, but they're not all going to make the NHL and be stud players. And you don't want don't want to wait until some of them have broken through or failed to do so and lose all their value. So if you yeah. can package together a couple of players, maybe it hurts you down the road a little bit. Maybe it doesn't, but then you win now. I mean, that's why the hell not? Well, see um, one, one thing you didn't even really factor into going back to the defense a little is that there's a good chance you're going to lose a body from back there to Seattle. I mean, it very well could be, Jake Bean or Brady Shea, which whichever of them isn't protected. So like, that's my, that's kind of the thing here where, you know, the hurricanes have always been considered one of the deepest teams on the blue line in this league, but you know, you, you lose another body there. You're likely going to lose uh, Yanni Hawk and Paw. They're really not anymore. (laughs) Yeah. You've already lost Hayden Fleury, Uh, Jake Gardner, his status is, you know, who knows what's going on with him. Like you're, you're in jeopardy of your back end really thinning out quickly to the point where like, you almost need to bring in some bodies to, to be able to put a good unit out there. And, you know, the the prospect, they have some good prospects, but you know, some of these guys are a work in progress. I mean, as far as Jesper Selgren goes, he's probably their closest thing to stepping in now, but he's a guy who hasn't played on North American ice. So what can you really reasonably expect as far as the transition goes and such? But 
Yeah, I, I definitely that that's my biggest concern is, you know, trying to stabilize that back end a little more, especially if you're going to lose another body here. Yeah. I was going to say Selgren could step in, I think. Um, it's just if he is put in that third pairing role, like I worry because that's not his style of play. Yeah. But yeah, looking at the free agent defenseman list, like the only defenseman with more points than Dougie Hamilton that's set to become a UFA is Tyson Berry. No. And uh, he's not very good at the whole defense thing. But do you um, think he's a guy that could have that slaving effect? And maybe if he plays on your top pair, possibly. Maybe. Well, listen, I will say this. Okay. We're like, let's see if this, you know, kind of sways anybody's judgment a bit. On Ottawa Radio this morning, I was listening to Pierre Maguire. And, you know, take so take it as you will. But he was saying, because they were asking him about Dougie Hamilton and, you know, what, what kind of contract he might be able to expect this summer, especially if he reaches the open market. And he said, based on the conversations he's had with people that, you know, know more about the situation than he does, he thinks that term is more important to Dougie in his camp than the dollar amount. And beyond just that, they asked him, you know, Dougie Hamilton's camp has reportedly come out with the Petrangelo comparable as far as the contract goes. And he said, but Pierre Maguire said, you know, based on the COVID circumstance with revenue and all that stuff, and just based on the overall kind of, I guess, thought around Dougie Hamilton, uh, about him around the league as far as defending goes and, you know, um, maybe his lack of foot speed and this and that, he said he doesn't see it as a situation where he's going to get that kind of money. Oh, no. happen. Yeah, He's I mean, that. Dougie is currently making six million dollars. Six point five. Oh, his cap hit is just under six. Um, I don't see him getting much more than seven. Yeah, I agree. Really? On the open market, seven and a half, a little higher, seven point eight, something like that. But it's- I. Especially if he wants to stick around with the Canes or a comparable good team, um, he's not going to get more than you know, like Matt says. Okay, I did the math the seven, other day, seven, and sorry. so when when Dougie Hamilton signed his six year extension back in 2015 at a 5.75 um, cap hit, like Matt said, the cap back then was at 71.4 million, which is you know about. 10 million lower than it is today so as far as him taking the exact same cap percentage which is uh 8.05 percent of the cap if you were to take that today that would bring him in at a 6.55 um uh average annual value moving forward mind you his uptick in production since then has been you know kind of a night and day difference he's been close to a point per game here the last couple of seasons not to mention his goal output has gone up um, so, you know, I think the agent has a real case for um, a legitimate raise, um, especially on a long-term deal. Like like I said, um, is he worth that? I said the beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Um, he's, a, he's a top power play quarterback in the league and, you know, a top producer from the back end. But on the defensive side, you're not quite getting that. Mind you, you know, the production, from like a production standpoint alone, what he brings is impossible to replace. But if you can take that money that you would give him and put that into maybe two assets, one that'll help you more defensively and one that'll help you more offensively, that might be a route to explore as well, where you're not going to quite make up the production, but you're going to help your group along as a whole. So I think they're, I think it's going to be a fascinating negotiation um, between 
obviously Waddell and you know Dougie's camp of course both sides probably would like to stay it's been been a good fit for both sides and he helps the team and the team is a great place for Dougie but are they going to be able to find a compromise and make it make sense financially that I'm not sure but mind you based on how this regime has handled themselves as a whole over the past few years I'm sure that whatever they do they're going to benefit from it and they're going to come out just as well yeah I mean, obviously, I'd like to see Dougie stay. I think he's a fun guy. And, I mean, definitely one of the more popular players in the fan base. It's just, who knows? You got to make it work somehow. Um, And, I mean, the Canes are going to get better. I mean, I talked to somebody last night about it. And he was saying, you know, like, tough end of the season. Can't focus on that, though. It's just time to make the team better now. Yeah. Yeah, Um, absolutely. And that, I mean, you know, so that's, that's encouraging. It means like, you know, the organization is going to try and make this team better. It's not going to be just one of those things where they're just acquiring, you know, Jesper Fast in the off season. And like, you know, Fast was a fine fit, but at the same time, like, you know, I don't You need think, something a little more than that. Right. I don't think he made the team any better in yeah, all that's honesty. Fair. That's fair. Um, it just feels like we got another like Warren Fogle or Brock McGinn. Yeah. Which again, valuable, but you have three of those guys right now. Yeah. Four if you include Martinuk. And I'll throw Lorenz in there too. I like Steven Lorenz a lot. Awesome guy. Awesome. You know, I think he's been a really good fit. But again, you just have a lot of guys that fit like, you know, good fourth line player, almost good enough to be third line player. Uh, yeah, right on a championship team, you probably want those guys on your fourth line. I mean, just like a Tampa Bay's fourth line. Right, well, Tampa, I was going to say, like, Tampa's, you know, Jesper Fast is Barkley Goodrow, Blake, Blake Coleman, and that's that's well, a pretty significant upgrade. Like, I, guess, I mean, I, I mean, like, all the cap stuff aside, because, you know, it's been beaten to death, but, th- like, they had Tyler Johnson on their fourth line, and this guy was just skating through the Hurricanes defense like pylons. Like, I couldn't believe, I actually had to bring it up in a group chat, I was like, how is this guy on your fourth line? guy who can still skate like that make things happen with the puck it's just they just have uh, an insane insane assortment of riches there where you know no matter who they're putting it on the ice they're a threat to score and when you take the hurricanes lineup especially in like games three and games four when you don't have Nino Niederreiter you don't have Vincent Trocek you're lacking some of your top offensive guys you just don't have that same threat yeah yeah I mean, well, and Tampa that whole thing- series was cutting through the hurricanes like a hot knife through butter oh yeah it was embarrassing this is another thing we talked about, and this is why the Hurricanes need to add another player, even if it's like, oh, well, they already have a top six, and it's, that's a top six player. Like, look at what just happened to us. Like, yeah. we need depth. You need, you know, multiple threats. You know, the, the Hurricanes' only really dangerous line in that last game seemed to be the fourth line. <laughs> like, Martin Hook and them were having some, they're putting some of the best shifts together. Yeah. And it's like, that can't be your only line that's buzzing. And part of it was matchups because they were getting matched up against some of those lower down lines, Pat Maroon, guys like that, Tyler Johnson's line. And they could have gotten hemmed into their own end, but then you don't really have a threat on that line. Like, was there ever really any threat that Jordan Martinuk was going to be the one to break through Andre Vasilevsky? Because I don't think so. No. That was something I no. noticed even during the regular season was that I'd say more than a couple of times 
there were a few games where the Canes' best line was their fourth line, and that was the only line producing chances. And that's fine. You know, if your fourth line has a good game, you know, it's just because they've had a good game, right? Yeah. But when you're playing against Tampa in the playoffs, like, that's the last thing you want. Exactly. Your, unless, unless one guy on your fourth line has, like, a hat trick or something, you know, like, more often than not, your stars need to be your stars. And, you know, after games one and two, Tampa's stars were their stars. I mean, we yeah. said it. You know, Tampa stars were, weren't going to stay off the score sheet forever. And, I mean, look at who scored the game winner in game five, Braden Point. We knew he yeah. wasn't going to be silent the whole series. But, like, all right, here's another thing. Like, look at the two other, you know, the other big series – quote unquote, because the Hurricanes and Lightning didn't even end up being that big of a series as we thought it might be. But like Vegas and Colorado, like you look at their bottom six and they've got guys like Val Nachushkin, who I was really, really impressed with last night, by the way. Yeah, he's a good player. He's a very good player. His speed and size, like he's a threat. He makes plays. Which is crazy because his speed was not... um, He's a good skater now. An asset, yeah. I mean, well, it's crazy how far he's come. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. But then they also have guys like Tyson Jost and Alex Newhook, first round picks, good players, like dangerous. They make things happen. Newhook only played six minutes last night and had a point. You know, even yeah, they still Don's lost boys. the game. They still lost yeah. the game. Well, I know, I know. But Jost, Jost Vegas is one has of those it too because that... Vegas has guys like Chandler Stevenson and like, um, what's his name? Damn it, I was just thinking about it a minute ago and I can't remember. Um, oh, Matias Yanmark. Yeah, like Yanmark. What, a, what an addition for them. Seriously, oh, and he's I think he's playing third line minutes maybe and he had a hat trick not too long ago against Minnesota and like yeah, he's he had been a hat trick really in game player. Game and seven. man, let, let me say as far as as far as Vegas goes, I love watching them not only because you know Mark Stone sends legend, should have been their future captain, should have been a lifer. Got Eric Branson from it, so you know, I'll let it slide. But man, watching Vegas, man, um Alex Tuck, he's one of my favorite players in hockey to watch. I mean, what an exciting talent. You know, the the size and speed combination he's got skill. Give me him on the Hurricanes any day, and I think they can go toe-to-toe with most teams in the league. What an addition he would be. Is Alex Tuck what Canes fans think Fogel is or want him to be? <laughs> so they thought Julian Doche. Man, ima- no, listen, imagine being the Minnesota Wild. And saying, "All right, <laughs> we will give you Alex Tuck for free. Just please don't take who was it that they were trying to protect? Matt Dumba, right? Oh, okay. You know, it's not as bad as I thought it was, but I mean, my God, what just what? And even then, Matt Dumba take? wasn't playing well at the time of the draft or the expansion draft, which was yeah, really weird. And, and they lost and they Eric Halla in yeah, that, in that trade too. He scored 29 goals for Vegas, but I mean, my God, what an addition Tuck has been to that group, man. It's It was just crazy. Like, the Canes do need – they need to improve their middle six. And guys, like, you know, adding, like, a type of player like a Blake Coleman or a Barkley Goodrow would go a long way because they get offense from them and get that solid yeah. defense that, you know – we've been kind of hoping for but let me go show you how let me just real quick just because we're on the topic all minnesota got from giving them alex tuck for free was a conditional pick what a mismanagement honestly it's still not as bad in my opinion as the florida panthers losing both riley smith and jonathan marcher so 
because I mean Hala didn't stay in Vegas for very long. Well, they got Nick Waugh for uh for him, and look how he's doing there. He's right. contributing to that group. But you know what I'm saying is like you know Minnesota at least doesn't have to worry about Hala. Yeah. Now against Vegas, it's just yeah. like. I'm like, really worried about this year's expansion draft. Not so much from a Kane's standpoint, but I mean, if there's one thing we've learned from the 2017 expansion draft is that NHL GMs are dumb as hell sometimes. Yeah, they overthink. And I'm really wondering who the premier players are going to be that Seattle just acquires for nothing. Going back to Alex Tuck a little, because you know, man, I'm just such a huge fan of him, but... For me, I think the Hurricanes' biggest need would be a guy, you know, kind of like an Alex Tuck, maybe a Josh Anderson mold, a big physical, you know, big physical winger who can, yeah, who can score, who can impact the game offensively, who can, you know, do some a little of everything. A guy who can go along the wall. Like, if Nino Niederreiter had top speed and was a little more physical, you know, because Nino Niederreiter is very physical along the wall, right? He goes on the boards and a lot of the times he's winning that battle and coming out with the puck, but he's not really a guy that sets the tone physically. If you get like a Josh Anderson type and mind you, these guys are a dime a dozen or not a dime a dozen. These guys are literally like you're, you're the you're, opposite. Exactly. Like, I, I don't know what the opposite to that saying would be, but I mean, these guys don't grow on trees, right? These guys are very coveted assets for that reason, because you know, the impact these guys can have on a group. Um, and, you know, you see what guys like Anderson are doing for Montreal, um, how how he's contributed to their success, even not on the score sheet, but just impacting the game with his speed, with his physicality. Um, I, I think if the Hurricanes can get a guy like that, almost a guy like a Michael Furland, who, you know, a guy who can contribute for them offensively, set the tone physically for them. And, you, you know, isn't isn't just a like, I don't want to say a useless physical player like a pocket or maybe even a hawk and paw per se, but a guy who is doing more for you than just being a physical presence. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, like I mean, if, if Julian Gauthier had developed the way we'd hoped, maybe like a Gurianov type, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, but like, I know it's almost cliche to say the hurricanes need more toughness at this point, but can you think of, I, I can think of one good hit from the Tampa Bay series. And that was Vincent Trocheck last night against. Yeah. A lot in the I agree. Zone. Yeah, your five five foot ten forward is your only guy getting physical. So I think we've talked enough about, you know, negativity. I'm gonna be honest. Have we? I can go on with the negativity for (laughs) forever. Well that's come on. We can. There's there's one other thing I do want to bring up too. Okay. And that's the probably the biggest off season storyline that we somehow haven't even touched on yet. And granted, Brenda Moore's not going anywhere. But his contract is up. You never really know. I mean, something could go wrong, I guess. Um, and Sarah Sivian actually had a pretty good article out today that I did check out. It's on The Athletic. If you haven't seen it, talking about, you know, Brenda Moore being back. And, and a lot of what she talks about in there is he's not holding out, but, like, playing it slow with the negotiations because he wants his staff back. And Yeah, he, he goes to his... bat for his guys, as you yeah. can see with his of coaching course. philosophy, right? Exactly. When guys like Jordan Martinuk are centering your second line. Absolutely. He, he goes he goes to bat for his guys. So, I mean, on one hand, so, you can't fault him for it, but on the other. Right. And what do you guys, I mean, 
do we have any reservations there or you know it, it's such an unprecedented oh, time no. because with covid and everything God, and no. the you know budgets right now we don't really know what's going to happen but I, I will say one thing at least the hurricanes need to be careful here dundon and waddell have to make sure they get this done because i mean losing brenda moore especially right now when the hurricanes are so close to breaking through and you know I, again the hurricanes they're three moves away in my opinion from going on a tampa bay-esque run of contention sure and that's or three i say three moves but three things happening is what i should say because one of them is andre svechnikov breaking out i said something about that earlier and becoming the player we know he probably is going to be hopefully is going to be yeah. another is it, well the other two really are both things that i've mentioned here and that's adding a defenseman and a forward they need one more defenseman to shore that up they need one more forward to have that you know, danger throughout, not just their top six, but, you know, ideally all four lines. And, and some of that's going to be helped by, you know, guys like Seth Jarvis, guys like Ryan Suzuki, guys like Jamison Reese. You know, you're going to have some um, support coming from the pipeline here pretty soon. But eventually, they still need yeah. one more, yeah. I think, veteran. Yeah, eventually. You know, they, they need one more. I think he needs to be a veteran, somebody that's not going to kind of blow his load too early as soon as the girl takes her pants off like the hurricanes did when they got a four to two lead in game in game four not sure if i like that comparison yikes um, <laughs> yeah. i don't know about that one matt either. feels if attacked you, right now geez. if you can damn wow ouch um <laughs> oh shit listen man i'm engaged she just has to say yes one more time um so oh geez if you can get Tampa's going to have cap issues. If you can get somebody from Tampa this off season, do it. Do it. Smack them but, in the face. Um, I have a soapbox for Brenda Moore, real quick, if you don't mind. Oh boy, okay, I need to stand up. Rod Brenda Moore is the Carolina Hurricanes. Yep, like, he is the identity yeah. of the Carolina Hurricanes, and his philosophy and like just his career have shaped like the culture around here. And I mean, I don't think there are many, if any, Hurricanes players, both past and present, that are more recognizable and as known as Rod Brindamore is. And so you can't deny that he's one of the best coaches in the NHL, and the players will literally run through walls for him. So... I have faith in the organization that they'll get it done. But if for whatever reason it does not, it's a slap in the face to an entire state. Yeah. Like I'm being serious when I say, I mean, and not even state, like our international fans, shout out Alex. Like <laughs> yeah, it is a slap in the face or it would be a slap in the face to this fan base. Well, you hit the nail on the head right there. I mean, they were talking about this kind of the exact same thing on Ottawa radio this morning. They were saying, you know, for these smaller market teams, the big thing for them is trying to establish a brand, right? Something that your fan base can relate to a reason to draw them in. And as far as Rod Brendamore goes, he's basically the face of this franchise. And can you think of a better guy who, you know, you want to lead your group as far as how he articulates himself, how he conducts himself, um, his overall coaching philosophy. I mean, you've seen him in the handshake line last night. Just just a beacon of respect for the other team. Just such a well-respected guy in hockey. I mean, if if you're trying to sell your team to a smaller market fan base and try and br- bring in hype and excitement around the team, 
just the results with Brenda more than as com- compared to what we saw before it with, you know, Kirk Muller and Bill Peters and whoever else was involved. It's just night and day difference. And I mean, this guy, what he's done for the team as a player and now as a coach has just been, you know, worlds better than anything we've seen without him. And it, he's just been a guy that's completely shaped the dynamic of this franchise to the point where they're a relevant team. Again, they've gone from a laughing stock to a relevant group in the span of three years now. So Right. I, like, like, listen, I have absolutely no qualms about this getting the the deal getting done, because as far as what Rod Brindamore said publicly, he only wants to coach in Carolina. And until he says differently, I have no reason to believe that he's going anywhere, um, despite the obvious link to Seattle, despite support, uh, supposed interest from the New York Rangers. Like, who cares? It's all just media speculation and whatnot. If Rod Brindamore, like, listen, if Rod Brindamore wants to be in Carolina, I'm 99.9% confident that he'll be in Carolina, and that seems to be the case. So yeah. I'm because definitely 90, with you. There, there's 25 teams in the NHL that would take Rod Brindamore right now, at least. Yeah. You, know, yeah, you exactly. also did forget one of Rod Brindamore's, like, crowning achievements as a player and coach, is that he's one of the very few former players to not get booed. By Philadelphia Flyers fans. Yeah, yeah, they they cheered him at the draft. Remember, they cheered yeah. him. Like, it's just this is a guy that has so much respect league wide, and this is the only time where I would agree. Like, if for whatever reason he is not signed, it was the only time I would agree when Canadian media would say that we are actually like trying to get rid of tradition here. Or trying to, you know, take a, yeah. you know, a trusted hockey guy out of the market. Like, believe me when I say, like, Rod, again, when I said Rod Brindamore is the Carolina Hurricanes, I meant it. Like, growing up, easily one of my favorite Hurricanes. And, you know, so excited to meet him at, like, the Caniac Carnivals and stuff that we have here. Like, just one of those guys that really was a big part of everybody's fandom whether it's now as the coach, if you're a new fan, which by the way, welcome. Hi. If you're an older fan, remembers him as a player, like awesome too. Like everybody knows and loves Rod Brindamore for what he brings to this franchise and what he means. So again, well, I think that they'll get it done. As an example, um, you know, obviously being an out of town fan, you know, almost a thousand miles away from, the action. Um, my first Hurricanes jersey is a Rod Brindamore jersey. Still have it to this day. But you know, just the impact he had on me as a fan um, was huge. Um, as and you know, he's basically one of the main reasons I became a Hurricanes fan, just because you know how he conducted himself on the ice and what a leader he was, and you know what he meant to the team and what he still means to this team 15 years later. So I, I, I'm with you. I think it would be a huge disservice if they didn't bring him back. Um, I, I can't see him going anywhere. I'm going to assume that he's going to be back as a coach next year and the Hurricanes will obviously be, be better off because of it. But, you know, beyond just Rod Brindamore, Trip Tracy is a free agent again as well. And, um, you know... Bring him back, please. Yeah, please bring Trip back. But, you know, one thing that I always think back to with these discussions um, and, you know, any real important um, free agents off ice for the Hurricanes... You know, we saw how John Forsland and the, the Chuck Caton situations went, which obviously wasn't how we wanted. But wasn't it like just how this front office conducts business? 
is a little odd. Like, do you guys not remember a couple of summers ago? I think it was two summers ago now when Don Waddell was basically working as a Hurricanes GM without a contract. Yeah. Like, it's just, like, optically, it's just weird. Like, if yeah. it works for them, fine. But, like, optically, it's just a little weird. And I think that's what, you know, gives this perception to the media that, hey, you know, these guys are cheap or these guys are trying to ruin what is historically good there pushing Ron Francis out, pushing John Forslund out, this, that, and the next thing. But they have their own way of doing business. And you can't really argue with the results of the model that they've brought in. I mean, how are you going to argue with the past three years versus the past decade before, right? You, right. It's just, it's no comparison. So I think right. they've earned the, the benefit of the doubt that they're going to make the right decisions for the franchise one way or the other, regardless of how much the fan base likes it. And, you know, it's just something we have to live with. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I think that's part of what fuels the out of town media, their fire. Um they they don't it, it's just an easy narrative. It's just because they're spin. so unorthodox. Right. Well, nobody's, and, and it's not something they, they've seen before and it's not what the old hockey men say is what you how you're supposed to do things. Cause nobody no owner other than Dundon really runs his team like a business, you know? Um even, you know, the Canadians who are owned by a literal corporation, like, they're not run like a business. They're run like a, quote, traditional hockey market. Right. Um, pearl clutching and all. With, with the Canes, you know, they do run it more like a business, which is, I think it makes people who have been in the hockey world longer uncomfortable because it's not the status quo, which the NHL loves the status quo. Yeah. Um again, I think it would be a mistake not to bring Trip back. I was on I was for me, I was less hurt when John left because I had been preparing myself for him to jump to excuse me, NBC Sports for a while. Right. Yeah. With Trip like and I've said this on the pod before, you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody who cares as much about not only just like the Canes players, but like the market and the yeah. fans and just yeah, everything hurricanes like say Maybe he could be his... the fourth member of uh track and the storm like as far as the voice of the brand and the voice of your franchise goes you're not going to get any better than him Absolutely. and i mean honestly he and mike had phenomenal chemistry yeah together. they did they did like for, they did a great job for as long that john and trip worked together i was shocked as to how i mean this just shows you how much of a professional trip is he was able yeah. to adjust right away i mean he and mike like, I'd say, like, after about, like, the first, like, 10 to 20 games, like, I mean, I loved listening to the broadcasts. And I, I, I you know, obviously you miss, like, you know, hey, hey, what do you say? And, like, the little things that Forslund would say. But, like, my God, the Canes broadcast team did a hell of a job this year. They've got a great crew. Um, uh, yeah, it's hard to dispute that. One thing I do need to mention um, – and this is a quick rant before we kind of go to the closing segment, I think, because I don't think there's anything else for this week, right? Yeah, not really. Okay, because we can we can kind of talk more about like free agency and like the draft and stuff when the yeah, draft and free agency come closer. So one thing I want to say, and um, I mean, it was all over Twitter today. We all saw it. The Department of Player Safety isn't punishing Andre Palat for the hit on Brett Pesci last night because apparently, you know, he didn't have enough momentum and it wasn't dangerous, but Pesci got pulled by concussion spotters and left the game. 
And I think he only came out for the handshake line. Right? If I'm not mistaken. I was kind of checked out at that point in the game. I'm not even going to lie. I mean, you know, so I was, was I. I but got, like, I got pissed off and like me and my dad over sitting here and like cursing up a storm. Like, I'm so sick of that shit, dude. I'm so sick <laughs> of these kinds of hits. And I'm so sick of them going, you know, you got a two minute. What, I'm, and, oh, that's, what that's, I'm tired that's of. What I'm tired of is the NHL having a department of player safety. Because that's not what it's about at this point. Like, and we said this the last time we talked about this, which was only a couple weeks ago, which was depressing as hell. Sick of having this conversation, but it needs to be said. Pesci gets clipped in the head with the shoulder. There's seven minutes left. You're up 2 nothing. You're very clearly going to win because the Canes are checked the hell out at that point. There's no need for that. It's the perfect time to throw a book at somebody and say, this was a needless hit. I don't even, I would have been happy if he just got one game. Cause I wasn't even expecting that people were joking saying he's going to get the $5,000 fine. I didn't even think he would get that. Cause I have no faith in the NHL. The NHL is the best sport, but it is the worst goddamn league. So, yeah. Like, like I, I would love for somebody to explain to me what the purpose is of the department of player safety. Like, it's what only is their to purpose? protect they, the stars. They don't do anything yeah. right. Well, if, but and dude, and that's that's the other side of the coin. And you know what? I, I'm gonna slip in the Kucherov shit right here. Three times in this series, he made bullshit hockey plays. Bullshit. Oh yeah, he was slew the, footing. Slew foot, yeah, the, for the sure. Slew foot the Nita rider. The dude just came that was back garbage. from a injury. Yeah, like the dude just came back, and you're not, you're not going to sit here and tell me there's there was any reason for that. Well, after the shot was taken, then to try to fucking hurt him. There's yeah. no other reason to make that play. Slewfoots are dirty. They're they're they need to be feet. taken out of the game. Nikita Kucherov like, is bitch made as hell. I'm sorry, I probably need to sit here and wax poetic like this, but like I, I'm sick, and, and it's because he's Nikita Kucherov. And, and yeah. because of Nikita Kucherov, he's allowed to get away with that. He's allowed to get away with the knee. He's allowed to get away with the uh, blind. Well, I mean, he didn't get away with the blind side, you know, hit to the head of Pesci, who I don't understand why Brett Pesci is the guy you would target because he's a he's a pretty clean player. You know, well, that's, yeah, he's a good I mean. player. That's the reason why you target him. I guess. But like Sveshnikov is like the type of player I expect to be targeted. And Ajo, like your superstars. Ajo was go after, targeted. Like, yeah, Ajo was targeted like too, I guess. This Especially is the thing. Kov, it's like it's targeted more than anybody on the Hurricanes. But still, like this, this stuff with Kucherov made me so mad. And it's like <sighs> you're never going to see a star player. I was shocked when they suspended Kucherov two years ago. Like you're never going to see a star player get punished for a bad hit for more than a game or two, because the NHL, I mean, the Department of Player Safety is only there to protect stars, and. While Pesci is arguably the best defenseman on the Carolina Hurricanes, he's not a star player by any stretch of the mag- imagination. So if he gets hit, the NHL is just gonna be like, oh. But if you play okay. for the they're gonna throw Rose. an ice pack at him and be fine. Like, like, like you pay for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Just where is the consistency Rangers. in this stuff when Tom Wilson is getting away with the shit he did for a five thousand dollar fine? Then you've got Palat getting away with you know the hit he did last night. And then the Nazem Kadri hit on Falk. Yes, he's a repeat offender, but so is uh, Tom Wilson. You know, that hit kind of meets the exact same criteria as the Palat hit last night. And right. Nazem Kadri's been gone for, what, eight games? Yeah, and you could argue that the Kadri hit, he got a suspension for some other things too. There was some 
just not so like, great. It's just there's no consistency. The optics of the NHL Department of Player Safety are terrible right now, and like it, the like the whole system needs to be revamped. It needs a the league. It right needs a new now, face. Yeah, exactly. Gonna be honest, like right now, the NHL is facing a crisis because the fans have lost confidence in the officiating and in oh, the Department yeah. of Player Safety. Oh yeah. The NHL's image has suffered greatly because of this season. And I mean, honestly, like you can sit and ignore it and I think you'd be wrong, but like the NHL image as a whole, if you keep doing stuff like this, if you keep allowing stuff like this, your sport is never going to be more than the fourth most popular sport in North America. They have a chance here, man, you know, cause they're going to ESPN. Sure. And, 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 and they I do. Think- and that's there's a positive. A right, right. And I think there's oh, a chance. Oh, ESPN hired exposure. PK Subban today. I thought that's that was right. a joke. I did too. Which makes me worried because, like, if Subban does call it quits, like, that would suck. Yeah. Because he's one of the best personalities in the NHL right now. But if he keeps being an analyst. avoid a personality. Perfect. Like, the NHL. Man, I, I need a P.K. Subban and Stephen A. Smith segment. That would oh, be, that holy would be great. shit. Dude, that so would be great. On, uh, tracking the storm. We'll, that uh, would be the oh, funniest <laughs> damn segment. Since we're going Sorry. to get now. Spoiler but alert. Going back to um, what I was talking about real quick. Like, the, the move to ESPN and TNT and just Turner, Turner in general is great. It is. But in the same breath, if the NHL is still going to do stuff like this, nobody's going to be interested in it. It's, it's impossible. With the amount of gatekeeping and pearl clutching that the NHL already has, it's going to be really tough to bring in new fans. So I guess my message to everybody out there that's a fan currently, or if you are a new hockey fan, if you're new to hockey, first of all, Thanks for listening to us, I guess. Like, that's really cool. Um, like, we need to welcome new people into hockey. And, like, this is us, I know. We're sitting here, you know, three white dudes talking about hockey. Like, it, it, it's damn past the time where we actually had, you know, diverse people in hockey. And shout-outs to Renee Hess. Uh, she's doing an amazing job at bringing in new people to hockey. And I, 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 it's just with the NHL being the way it is right now, it's so hard for new fans to, to get invested in the sport because it feels like it's the same stuff that other leagues go through. I mean, we're seeing it with the MLB with all the umpire stuff. I'm, we're seeing it with the NFL. I mean, they call it the no fun league for a reason, you know? The NHL is right there with them. Yeah. So. And, and you're spot on about Renee Hess. The Black Girl Hockey Club is just like, the entire movement it's fantastic and but at the same time it's like all this hockey is for everyone it just feels so hollow to me on so many occasions and yeah it's it well it's it's more it's not like yeah because some teams knock it out of the park but it's just the nhl i mean there's nothing behind it for me at least like with the nhl like if you're gonna have like a hockey is for everyone like you actually need to do stuff yeah, again, it's with the consistency, right? Which just seems to be such a common theme for this league lately. But, anyways. I don't know about you guys, but I think that wraps it up for tonight. 
Um, yeah. What's crazy is that, you know what? It was a disappointing end, but a lot I'm of reason happy. for optimism. Yeah, I'm happy with the team. I think, you know, the the future is still as it always has been for the past couple of years, very bright. Um and as much as I want to just sit here and be sad that we lost, like I'm looking forward to this offseason. I think it's going to be one of the more interesting offseasons in recent history for the Canes. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm also excited for the next couple of weeks. We've got uh, we've got guests. We have a bunch of talk about the draft, free agency, and more. Yeah, we got um, a ton of stuff coming up we're, we're going to do. So. Oh, I know. You guys need to look out because it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to be starting writing somewhere. Uh Maybe by the time, yeah, definitely by the time you guys uh, will be here in this podcast. We got lots of and... news to announce, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Folks, All that thank you better. for joining the Tracking the Storm podcast through this season. We hope you found it enjoyable and that we will see you all again very soon. Because I can't speak for everybody else, but I have enjoyed all the comments. We have grown quite fond of all of you. And perhaps someday we'll be able to all meet in person and remember this crazy year. But for now, folks, as always, even with last night's loss, guess what? It is still a great time to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan.